Good morning. The Bible reading this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 45. Jesus prays in a solitary place. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to a nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead... He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Thank you, Heather. One of the things I failed to mention is on Tuesday we had Kevin Willard's memorial service. And uh, his children, Vincent and Claire, uh, have just asked me to thank everyone who was involved in that. It was a, it was a very fitting memorial, uh, and I think you know we were encouraged, and they were just so thankful for all the work that everyone put in. So I just want to uh, convey their thanks. The full note is in the bulletin. We're going to continue in this series in Mark. Uh, we're still in chapter one. Don't worry, we will, uh, we will move past chapter one next week. Uh, but it's a big start uh, to the gospel. And, uh, and as we consider that, uh, let's pray and we'll have a closer look. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the good news that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the promised Saviour of the world, and that he is all that he claims to be, the King of your kingdom, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And so, Father God, as we come and uh, consider this passage before us this morning, help us to know him more, help us to be challenged, but also help us to be encouraged and uh, help us to have eyes that see and ears that hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't have to tell you that over the last two years, we have gone through quite a remarkable time. Uh, It pretty much started on the 31st of December 2019, uh, where the Wuhan uh, Municipal Health Commission in China reported a cluster of pneumonia cases. Uh, Those cases turned out to be the beginning of what we now know as COVID-19. The disease, as you know, has shaken our world. The impact no one saw coming. And it seemed that for nearly the first two years there, there was just one goal, and that was to contain the illness. And the pictures there tell the story. Uh, Things like personal protective equipment, I think that's what it is, PPE, 
lockdowns, social distancing, online meetings, deep cleaning, quarantine, four square metre rules, mask wearing. They are all familiar to us now, when most of us had no idea about them earlier. But it turns out that COVID-19 is uncontainable. No one's been able to contain it. No government, nothing. It is uncontainable. It's in the same way this morning we're going to see that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is uncontainable. See, Mark begins in verse 1 by telling us that he is writing the beginning of the gospel, the good news. Jesus was announced as the Messiah, the Son of God. He was baptized. He was affirmed by the Father. He was sent out into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He overcame that because he is sinless. He calls his first disciples. And then last week we saw that Jesus is the one with all authority. See, the, kings, the king of the kingdom has arrived And his authority was seen in his preaching, his ability to drive out demons, and his ability to heal. We saw last week that though the evil spirits recognized him, the people were still asking the question, who is this man? What kind of authority is this? And that was all on his first day of ministry. It was a big day. After coming out of the wilderness, all this happens and it finishes In verse 34, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. That's a big day. And as we enter into the next day, which is what we're looking at this morning, surely Jesus deserved a sleep-in and a lazy brunch. That's what I like to do on my day off. A sleep-in and a lazy brunch But that's not uh, what we're told here. Have a look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, that's that's Peter's mother-in-law's house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. See, here we are getting a glimpse of what Jesus' life and his ministry looked like. He begins his day with prayer. He doesn't need the sleep and the brunch. He recharges with prayer. Now, we don't know what he prayed. He was in a solitary place, and it doesn't tell us. But I like to wonder. We know he would address Abba, Father, a very affectionate term. It's begun. I'm still exhausted after 40 days in the wilderness. Yesterday was a big day, Father. The crowds are coming. These 12 that you've led me to call as disciples are, well, they're not exactly switched on. What do I do today, Father? Now, of course, he's sovereign. He is God the Son. He is the Son of God. But in every part of his ministry, he sought the Father's will. He and the Father were one. But don't listen to people who tell you, well, it's kind of a token thing that he goes off and prays because he was just showing us how to do that. No, this is a man in all his humanity entering into a ministry that in all ways was exhausting. And he knew that he had to lay himself down before the Father and enter the Father's will because if he wasn't in the Father's will, 
he was alone. Now, of course, one of the things uh, in the accounts of Jesus that does show us, uh, there's not many times, there's only about three times, I think, in Mark's Gospel, there's not many times we see him praying. Uh, However, John 17, I want to just challenge you about your prayer life. Uh, John 17 is a great example of how Jesus prayed. He talks to his father like he's sitting at a table across a cafe. He talks to him because he's right there. He's he's a person. Now, I don't know, you often hear people pray, and uh, this is no, I'm not talking about here, but we, we hear people try to invoke God. I don't know if you you get that feeling sometimes. People are trying to kind of command him or or invoke him to come closer. Come on, listen. You can do this. You are so sovereign. You're wonderful. Are you there almost? And the voice gets louder and louder and louder and they're almost shouting at God because they're trying to almost like you remember Elijah goes up to the hill. It's almost like the other the other prophets yelling at their God to do something and, and Elijah just speaks. Uh, to him see he's our father we speak to him jesus was no different he spoke to him and it should be very encouraging to us because god is not distant so he's your father and prayer should be the engine room of your life with god now i want you imagine this tanker now that tanker is an abandoned tanker it's got no one directing the ship. There's no engine going and it's being tossed and uh, put, put about all over the, 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 the ocean. Now I want you to imagine that tanker. It's fully laden with all the burden of the cargo. It's able to cut through the waves and the swells when there's a captain and there's an engine uh, running. Now imagine you're in charge of that engine room. And one day you just turn off the engine and the captain calls down to you and says, hey, hey, turn the engines back on, but you ignore him and you think, I reckon we'll get there without the engine. The tides will get us there. We'll be right, mate. See, that ship is now at the mercy of the tides, the swells, the waves. The ocean will do to that tanker whatever the ocean wants to do to that tanker. See, prayer is the engine room that enables you to move through the world and your life with a heavy laden cargo. It provides the strength and the direction for you because you are coming to the captain. You are coming into his presence and you are allowing his will, his strength to be a part of your heavy laden life as you go forward. He's the one who knows the direction. He's the one who is uh, leading you. But when you turn that engine off, when you stop praying, when you stop coming to him for guidance and and comfort and all the other things, well, then you're basically being tossed back and forward by the world and you're at the world's mercy. And you're even at your own mercy, as if you somehow know better than the captain of the ship. See, Jesus' ministry and life is founded and grounded on prayer think about how remarkable this is he is the king with all authority we saw last week if anyone could just make commands and do what he wanted it's him but he is a humble servant he's the one who bows the knee to worship because he understands that in all his humanity 
He needs to walk in the will of the Father in all ways. See, how is your prayer life? Are you talking to your heavenly Father? Or are you just throwing yourself into life, relying on your own strength and allowing life to just push you back and forward wherever it wants you to go? The other voices. Let me encourage you to ask for his direction, his will, his guidance, his counsel, his way. See, the king of all authority is prayerful. The second thing we see here is that the king of all authority knows his purpose. Have a look at verses 36 to 39. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Notice the expectation of the disciples here. They're effectively saying that spending time alone in prayer, well, that's not right. You shouldn't do that when everyone wants you. If you're in demand, you need to meet their demands. Now, I think on some level, we all have that burden at some time in our life where there's just people needing us all the time. And I was so tempted to talk about my life as a pastor and how there's always more demands than what I can handle and, oh, it's people all the time. But look, I think there's another role which is much, much, much more relevant here and that is motherhood. I have seen my wife, now I'll let you read that, the quickest way for a mother to get her children's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. Now that is true in my home. I have watched days where Ellie has not been able to let up. I want breakfast, my tummy hurts, What's my, where's my Spider-Man toy I got for Christmas three years ago and I haven't played with since. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I need to go to the toilet, can I have a treat? This smoothie you spend half an hour making doesn't taste the same. And then the kids start. (laughs) See, I think this is what's going on. This is what's going on and it's just constant and they just want him. But no, Jesus is able to set boundaries. He's able to go get up early and he's able to... Now, I'm not saying every mother should get up earlier because the kids will just get up earlier. What I'm saying is that it's important for us to find somewhere, sometime. And husbands, it's important for you to give your wife something so she can get away for a moment. See, Jesus from this point on is pursued like a celebrity is pursued by the paparazzi. So the problem happening here is Jesus, with Jesus is the people aren't necessarily looking for him for all the right reasons. They actually are coming to him because he's been healing and driving out demons. See, they are looking to him because of what they believe they can get out of him. I don't think they're quite getting it yet. And Jesus' reply here to the disciples is telling. Now I want some... When, before I was considering when we went out to Kununurra, the Kimberley, and, and out remote, 
I had a senior pastor in one of the churches sit down with me once and he goes, I think you're making a mistake. You should be where there are a lot of people. You should be where the crowds are. Leave that to the old, uh, the old pastors that are washed up and retired. That's their job out there. But look at Jesus. That's not how he responds. He doesn't go where everyone's looking for him. He goes where the people are going to be forgotten, to the nearby villages, the forgotten ones. He says, I can, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, back in verse 14, the first thing we are told when Jesus comes out of the wilderness and overcomes temptation is that he preaches the good news. He proclaims the good news. You see, at the heart of everything that Jesus did, his first priority was to come and preach the good news. The healings and the driving out of demons was there to affirm his authority, but it was all so that they would listen to the good news. And they would see that when he preached, he did come with authority. See, when he enters Capernaum for the first time, we're told he enters the synagogue and teaches people with authority. See, Jesus is giving us a mission statement for his life. So I can preach there, that is why I have come. Now there's debate over what he's actually referring to, but I think Mark makes it really clear. He preaches the good news as soon as he comes out. He gets to Capernaum. He preaches the good news. He preaches the good news. He has come to leave the 99 and search out the one, as he says in his parables. See, it is the preaching of the good news that is the true healing. So he goes into the region of all the gallery, and he drives out demons as he goes, which affirms his authority. See, the king knows his purpose of entering into the fallenness of the world. This is so important for not just our life, but for our church. You strip back the buildings. You strip back the programs. You strip back all the compliance and the legal obligations, the registered name, the logo. We bulldoze the building and we're left with a plot of land, with a tree there. Are we still a church? And what determines if we're still a church? What if all the people go, well, you haven't got a building, I'm leaving. What would determine if this was a church? Well, obviously you'd need more than one person, I think. But I think when you strip it all back, it's whether the gospel is being proclaimed. Now, I've worked in the Kimberley where churches meet under a tree in the bush. But if the gospel is centre, then you are a true church of the Lord Jesus Christ because when you strip it all away, all you should have left is the good news. The good news. Because that is why I have come, the king of the kingdom says. And if that is the purpose of the king of the kingdom, then that is the purpose of all people in the kingdom. Ultimately, as we all work together, we need to make sure that the gospel, the good news, proclaiming the Lord Jesus is what we are about. That is a non-negotiable. You can strip away everything else. 
But that will always happen from this pulpit and it will always happen in this church while I'm the pastor because I believe that's what's happening here. The king of all authority knows his purpose and if it's the king's purpose, it is our purpose. Finally, uh, we see that this good news, this gospel is unstoppable. And I know that's pretty small up there, but I'm going to read it for you. So if you can't read it, just listen. That's verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the good news, uh, the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So here's a man with leprosy. And I want you to notice firstly that this man came for cleaning after Jesus has been preaching throughout the synagogue. Every time you listen and and, and watch this unfold, it's always the preaching followed by miracles to affirm that. Next week we're going to see that at great length when we see the, the paralyzed man that's lowered through the roof. But notice Jesus is also indignant. Now, he's not indignant with the man. He's not indignant with the fact this is come, guy's come for healing. That's not what's made him indignant. Indignant is really a, a... He's indignant at the leprosy itself. He's offended by the leprosy. In fact, he's annoyed at the leprosy. He's annoyed at the impact that sin and the brokenness has had on the world. Here is a man suffering in all, his, in, in all that you can. Like leprosy was a, a cruel disease. No one would touch him. He was unclean. He wasn't allowed to partake in anything. He was forever cast out from the community. He was the untouchable. Jesus says, I am willing. Be clean. This wasn't just about the leprosy leaving his body. This is about this man. This man now being restored into fellowship with other people. He was no longer an untouchable, but touchable. And Jesus says, now go into the temple, basically. He wasn't allowed anywhere near this place before. He's probably longed for it all his life. All he wants is to be able to worship God by the coming into the temple. But he's not allowed because he has leprosy. And so when Jesus says, see that you don't tell anyone, go, show yourself to the priest, I'm clean now. I am able to sacrifice as, as I'm able to. But he doesn't do that. The thing that he longed for, for the cleansing, he doesn't do that anymore. How does he worship Jesus? He goes out and tells everyone about it. 
He's forgotten about the temple. Here is the temple. Here is God himself. He is the saviour, the Messiah, the son of God. Here is the one who brings true healing to a person like me. The people in the temple, they give me nothing. All those religious realities, well, I can cast those aside now because I've found the one. And I will proclaim him. I will spread the good news about him. But I also want to make mention of this. I sound like a politician. I think I've got that straight from Anthony Albanese. I also want to make mention of this. Have you noticed that? I, I, I just wanted you to notice this. There are many people, many churches who say, come, we're a healing church. I want you to notice something. Whenever Jesus heals, it's immediate. There's no like, oh, we'll come back in two weeks, see how God's worked in your life. Da, 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 da. God heals, don't get me wrong. I've seen it in this church, I've seen it in other churches. But that is not the core of what's happening here. See, when Jesus touches someone, when Jesus says, your daughter is now uh, alive, when Jesus says, Kalitha, uh, Talitha kum, little girl, rise, get up, when Jesus says, uh, be clean, when Jesus says to the storm in the, uh, on, on, the, on the Sea of Galilee, he goes, be calm, be still. It's always immediate. None of this spending hours trying to trying to conjure up this healing. Now, God heals through physicians. God heals over time. God heals in all those other ways. I believe that. But when someone says to you, I have the gift of healing, and I had a guy come into Karatha once and he, when I was up in Karatha, and he said to me, look, I've got the gift of healing. I'd like to lay hands on. I've identified some people with issues, and I want to lay hands on them. Now, that puts a pastor in a very awkward position. So I speak with him, I talk to him, and then I approach one of those people and I say, look, this guy's come, would you like to come? I don't know who he is, but I will allow if, if like, and I was there. Well, she had a back issue, he laid hands on. She's like, oh, yeah, I feel better, I think it's good. A week later, she's, it's, it's not the same again. Now I have to say to that man, well, you know, I like the idea of it and I want to I I be in touch, but this is God. This is God. When he, when he heals like this, it's immediate. And yes, there are gifts of healing, but we have to be very discerning here. We have to be very careful of getting sidetracked with what the purpose of our church is. The healings, the miracles that will happen and do happen, they are all to show the authority of the word of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And all these things should always point back to him, should always bring him glory and that always should be the core of the church. See, we are not... We are not called primarily to heal. We are called primarily to proclaim the gospel. The healing and the great impact that has on people's lives is an outflowing and it should always point back to the truth of the Son of God. But you can see here that no matter what's going to happen, the gospel, the good news, is going to be unstoppable. He was freely spreading the good news. Now Jesus could go nowhere. Uh, we had 
We, 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 if you go back to verse 28, news about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. See, if Jesus was in our world today, and I think there's a reason he didn't come in 2022, if he, if he came today, he would be more famous than Justin Bieber, more famous than Ronaldo, the soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo, more famous than The Rock or The Beatles or Kim Kardashian. I think he'd be insta-famous. I think he would be a YouTube sensation. I think Ellen and Oprah would want him to come onto their uh, talk shows. But you know what? I think the problem wouldn't be any different. I think it would be because they want to see a healing. They would want to see. But as soon as he brought the gospel, I'm not sure they would want that so much. See, they wanted him for his healings. But because of that and because of his authority and because of all that he is, we are starting to see a momentum that this is not going to be squashed. It will lead him to the cross. He will be killed for this, which will even make it even more unstoppable. Every time the church is persecuted, every time a martyr is killed, there is always a spreading of the gospel. It's like a seed that just keeps going and going. And so as we look at this passage, we start seeing the realities of what's happening here. He cannot go openly outside anymore, but he stays in lonely places. So the good news is uncontainable because Jesus is who he says he is. And it will remain to spread like wildfire if we are able to be prayerful, if we are able to keep it central to all that we do, and if we are able to continue to walk in the faith, keep the engine burning and our ship moving in the direction that God is calling us for. So I want to challenge each of us not to turn that engine off, but to keep moving in the direction that will bring great glory to God and, and proclaim the gospel. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you that it is uncontainable. And Father, as we go into this week, I pray that you will bless us with the, with the strength to keep praying, uh, to come to you in prayer and to seek your will and guidance for our life and to keep the Bible open and to be seeking you. Father God, I pray for our church that we will never get sidetracked by building programs or, or any other programs, but we will always have those as a reflection of us trying to proclaim the gospel. Father, I pray that the gospel will be at the heart of all that we do and that the name of Jesus will always be proclaimed. We pray this in his name. Amen.